Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In the Bible, whenever you see an angel of the Lord, it could be somebody like the Archangel Michael or uh, the Angel Gabriel, as for instance. Or, um, But when it says the angel of the Lord, the definite article there, the angel of the Lord, that means something completely different. And we call that a theophany, which is a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. In our lesson for today, we see there appears a divine visitor to the children of Israel. We know this angel is an appearance of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ for two reasons. First, because the angel of the Lord here claims divinity by saying that he was the one who led Israel up from Egypt and who made a covenant with Israel. Second, because this person appears in human form, and it cannot be God the Father, because the Father is described as invisible in 1 Timothy 1.17, and whom no man has seen or can see, as described in 1 Timothy 6.16. And now let's join Pastor Rob for today's lesson. Let's get into the Word tonight. Let's look at Judges chapter 2. So let's open our Bibles to Judges chapter 2. Now, before we get started with Judges chapter 2, I must confess that this message tonight and and the content that we're really covering in the Word of God is very, it can be a little discouraging because we're looking at really the failure of Israel. And we're going to look at some of the difficult things that they had to go through and the difficult lessons that they had to learn. And the book of Judges, as you know, is a book of, it's like an emotional roller coaster because the, the book kind of goes like this. It's, it literally is like a roller coaster where the children of Israel, they, they sin and then God uh, brings their enemies against them and brings them sometimes into captivity to those enemies. And then the children of Israel cry out in their fear and their angst And then the Lord raises up a deliverer, literally a judge, which is the name of the book. It can mean savior, it can mean a savior or a uh, a judge, or um, I forget the other word, a savior, a deliverer, basically. And, And so... The children of Israel going through this process of of these ups and downs, and and as I was really praying about this message tonight and our time in the Word, I was thinking of how similar it is right now in our country. If you remember nine eleven, um, let me see how many years ago seventeen. I know it's nineteen years ago now. Can you believe it? Nineteen years ago, we had that incident in our uh, 
in our history, and it really changed us, didn't it? And I remember that day very well, as we all do. And I remember being here at the church, and the church was packed with people coming in and wanting to know what was going on and, and, and kind of sensing that something was brooding, something was very serious that was going on. And the country's heart and their back was broken for a time. And But it wasn't long after we started getting back into the swing of things that we kind of forgot. And then we continued going back into our normal routines of things. After the initial scare and the, and the angst was over with, we kind of just went back to business as usual. And here we are with another incident in our country's history that has never happened before. In fact, I think it's in, in some ways harder than 9-11 in the sense that uh, it's something that's ongoing. It's something that didn't just happen and then we're responding and reacting. It's something that we're still responding and acting, reacting to. And it's not an easy thing, but my hope is at the end of this, whole thing, you know, because uh, the United States can be going like this. And, I, and I'm not saying that this coronavirus or even 9-11 was some kind of judgment against the church or, or even the United States. It, it could be. I don't really know. I know the Lord is getting people's attention. He certainly got my attention, and he's got your attention. But just like the children of Israel going through this thing right now where they're, they're, they have a, a calamity, and then they're, and then they cry out, and then God delivers them, I pray that this is one of those situations in our country's history where we cry out and we don't stop crying out. We don't stop. We don't give up. We don't go back to our old ways. That this would be sort of like a a watershed moment for not only the church, but for us Americans. And, And it's not just an American thing. It's a worldwide thing. And we're just part of the whole puzzle, right? But I pray that at the end of this whole thing that we'll have a renewed sense of of just who God is and of his love and his grace, and that we would come away from it having certainly examined our own soul, our own life, and really uh, repenting of those things that we know in our life right now that aren't pleasing to him. And, and that's important for us to do. We can't just continue on and, and act like nothing's happening. So this is going to affect you, and, um, and it should. And so tonight's message is going to be a little hard, I think, uh, perhaps, but... Um, Take it within the context of the children of Israel, although we're living in a similar time, but it's not necessarily because of some great thing that we've done wrong. I think there is um, room in all of us to grow, and and I think that's the way we need to take it, is um, whenever these things happen, we need to take them and, and examine our own hearts and then go before the Lord and let Him do what He wants to do in each of us individually and corporately as a country, as a church, whatever he desires to do. That's what I want. I want what he wants out of me for this season. And I pray that you feel the same way. And so we're going to get into that. And also, uh, when we get into Sunday morning, too, we're going to be talking about uh, Ephesians, I'm sorry, uh, Revelation chapter 2 and the church of Ephesus. And that's kind of like a double whammy in a sense because uh, the message tonight is a little gloomy. Uh, but there's also um, Sunday morning where... Jesus is talking and uh, dictating a letter to John about a loveless church. And, and that's certainly something that we don't want to become. And I think between tonight's message and Sunday morning, there's a lot there to challenge us. But don't be discouraged. Remember that God loves us. Remember that he has paid the price for us. So don't be despairing. Don't get despondent. Uh, know that your God loves you very much. And uh, his heart for you is for peace and not of evil to bring you a hope and an expected end, an expected end. 
And you can expect that at the end of whatever God does is good, especially for his bride, the church, of which we all belong. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, Let's look at chapter 1. I'm just going to briefly summarize that before we get into chapter 2. Let's see here. Um, As we look at chapter 1 last week, we saw the death of Joshua. And one of the things uh, about the book of uh, Judges is the very last chapter of Joshua, which we were just in, really dovetails with the first and second chapter of Judges. So we're going to see some overlap there. And they're going to dovetail very nicely. And then when we get into chapter 3, specifically in verse 7, we're really going to begin uh, the book of Judges, which starts with uh, the judge Othniel. Uh, But let's uh, just review what we looked at in chapter 1. We saw the death of Joshua in chapter 1 and God wanting Judah, setting forth Judah now as the the leader of all the tribes and sending them into uh, their territory uh, to fight against the Canaanites. And you remember that Simeon, uh, they they all wanted to help each other, Judah and Simeon, even though God had told Judah to go up. And the Lord didn't seem to have a problem with that, although it wasn't his perfect will. And we go on into the the second half of chapter 1, where it talks about them getting into the land, each of the different tribes. And really in verse 27 of chapter 1 really begins this uh, horrible narrative of the history of what happened, and, and that is that each of these different tribes, they were supposed to go in after the big battles had been won. They were supposed to go in now to their own individual inheritances and drive out those small pockets of people that were still in the land, those small pockets of Canaanites that were uh, that God told them to destroy. And they didn't do that. And then from verses 27 to the end of uh, chapter 1 there, we see the different tribes, how they did not drive them out. Uh, each of the tribes had their um, their ability to do it, and they chose not to. And, um, and so let's get into chapter 2 here. Chapter 2, let's read down through uh, verse 10, and then we'll, uh, we'll come back and we'll take a look at it. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. And so it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. And then they called the name of that place Bochim, and they all and they sacrificed there to the Lord. And when Joshua had dismissed the people, the children of Israel went each to his own inheritance to possess the land. And let's just stop right there and just get right into it here. So let's go back to verse 1. It says, The angel of the Lord... Uh, came up from Gilgal to Bochim. Now, whenever you see this phrase, the angel of the Lord, this is one of those doctrines in the Bible that's really interesting because the angel of the Lord and an angel of the Lord are two different things. In the Bible, whenever you see an angel of the Lord, it could be somebody like the archangel Michael or uh, the angel Gabriel, as for instance. Or... Um, But when it says the angel of the Lord, the definite article there, the angel of the Lord, that means something completely different. And we call that a theophany, 
which is a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ. And throughout the Bible, especially the Old Testament, we're going to see that. We'll just look at a couple of examples tonight. But this is an important thing to consider because angels are not supposed to receive worship. We know that there's one angel that wasn't God that wanted to be worshipped, and it got him into a, um, a sticky mess. And his name is Lucifer, right? We know that he wanted to be worshipped, uh, but any angel of God Almighty who has been sent by God, Jehovah God, sent by Jesus Christ, is, is an angel that ought not to be worshipped. But the angel of the Lord is a different story. The angel of the Lord. And we see this in Scripture. If you would, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. And you can turn there or you can write the reference down. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 3, verses 2 through 15. And this is interesting because we see that this angel of the Lord not only ascribes deity to himself, but is also worshipped by Moses. And this is a serious thing because if this angel is not an angel of God, then we know that uh, this is idolatry. But notice that Moses knew instinctively that this was God Almighty in in, in human form or in the, in the form of a burning bush. And let's take a look at it and you'll see... It says in uh, verse 2 of Exodus chapter 3, it says, And the angel of the Lord, notice, the angel of the Lord, you might want to underline that, appeared to him, appeared to Moses, in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And notice in verse 4, So when the Lord saw he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, I want you to look at something here in this verse. Notice the the fourth word in. It says, and so when the Lord, that word is Jehovah. So when Jehovah, Yahweh, when he saw that he, Moses, turned aside and looked, God, notice, called to him from the midst of the burning bush. And so we know that this uh, this angel of the Lord is deity. It's, it's God Almighty. It's Jesus Christ in a theophany. And notice what happened. And, and, and Moses said, Here I am. And then in verse 5, then he said, uh, The angel of the Lord says, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And moreover, he said, Notice, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look upon God. Because the Bible says that no one can look upon God and live. No one can look upon God and his... his, Because God is a spirit, right? Uh, For us to see Jesus Christ even uh, would be an awesome sight. But to see God the Father in this flesh that we have, uh, the Bible says that he dwells in unapproachable light. And I love that, that in him is no darkness at all. And so there's no one that can stand in in the presence of God the Father in this frame, in this physical body that we have, and live. We would literally just fall apart and disintegrate because of his holiness and the brightness. See, that's why we need a new body. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to an upgrade. (laughs) Looking forward to an upgrade. But notice, he says, I am the God of your father. So this angel of the Lord is saying, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. In verse 7, it says, And the Lord says, Surely I have seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. 
Isn't that wonderful that God does know their sorrows? And so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppress them. And so going on down into the chapter there, uh, in verse 13, it says, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say to them? So it's a very logical question that Moses asked God. And God tells him, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. So this angel of the Lord is none other than Yahweh, God present with them. And we know that if God is present with them, it has to be Jesus. It has to be God, and Jesus is God. He's equal with God the Father. Uh, I love Isaiah 9, verse 6. And behold, uh, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And then in uh, Isaiah 9, unto us a son is born, unto us uh, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. This baby will be called Wonderful. This baby will be called Counselor. Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Jesus and the Father are one with the Holy Spirit of God. Amazing, amazing to consider. Now turn with me to Judges too. There's, we'll, we'll look at one more and then we'll move on here. Because this is uh, an important thing to see in the Old Testament. In Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. Judges chapter 6. It's actually within this book. So just turn over a couple pages. And we'll be looking at Gideon and looking at verse 11 specifically. And again, underline this, it says, Now the angel of the Lord. So underline the angel of the Lord, because this is another theophany, uh, which is a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ. And it makes you wonder, why would he do that? Why would he visit his people before he would be born into the Virgin Mary, before he would be placed supernaturally in her womb? Well, you know, there are certain times in Israel's history when they were floundering, when they were going through difficulties, when God was going to do amazing things in and through them and use them uh, to, uh, to bring judgment upon the nations and to also give them his word. And so when God felt that it was necessary to intervene in their history to get them to go in a certain direction, he did so. And he didn't ask anybody's, he didn't ask anybody's permission, he just did it. And God did that in my life, and I know perhaps he did that in your life. He never asked me permission to intervene in my life. He came into my life at a really inopportune time. I was very happy and and thought I was happy and was very content going my own way. But I didn't know what God knows, and God had a plan for my life as he has for you. And don't you love that? That he intervened when I didn't ask him. And that's just because he's like, you know what, Rob? I've got something that's so wonderful for you that you can't, you, you can't, even, you can't even yearn for it. You don't even have the ability to yearn and, and, and comprehend what I want to do through you. 
and what I want to do in your life and how I want to bring my glory about in your life so that others can see my glory. And um, I love that. I, there was no invitation sent. He just showed up. And he does this with the children of Israel here in Judges chapter 6. Look with me at verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord, underline that, came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is an Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. We were just there in the valley, uh, the Jezreel Valley, uh, the Jordan Valley, uh, and we were at Mount Gilboa. And just uh, and there's a valley right in between, and then on the other side is some uh, other mountain ranges, and and this is where this this thing took place, and it was kind of interesting to see that, and that's a shameless plug to come to Israel next year, uh, so <laughs> so so the angel of the Lord came to him, and the angel of the Lord, verse twelve, appeared to him and said to him, "The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor." God could look into Gideon's heart and see that this young man, this young teenager perhaps at this time, he could see the potential in him that nobody else could see, not even his father could see. And see, that's just how good the Lord is. But notice, Gideon said to him, O my Lord, notice, O my Lord. So he's calling him Lord. If the Lord is with us, if Yahweh is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And so... um, and so, obviously, we're going, to, we're going to go on here. and Let's go pick up in verse 19, because now Gideon is so enamored by this angel of the Lord. He knew it was a visitation of God himself, and he wanted to worship. He wanted to make an offering to him. And so, Gideon, verse 19, went in and he prepared a young goat and unleavened bread in an, in a, um, from an ephah, a flower, and the meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought them to him, to the angel of the Lord, under the terebinth tree, and presented them. Notice, and the angel of God said, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, and lay them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. And so this angel is going to receive this offering of worship, and watch what happens. And then the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire arose out of the rock, and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And so we see again Jesus, and just in his uh, kindness and love, and, and knowing certainly what Israel was going to go through, and how this victory was necessary for them, and how he was going to use a man that was very small in his own sight. Because Gideon, remember, had to have many proofs to, to know that God was really speaking to him. And we're really no different. Well, oftentimes when God is speaking to us, we may uh, throw out a fleece. I wouldn't encourage you to do that. But even when you do, uh, because of our the frailty of our faith sometimes, and, and God doesn't, he's not upset with us when we struggle, you know, so we don't need to worry about that. But um, sometimes we throw out a fleece and say, Lord, if this is really you, then you know, cause an ice cream to fall out of the sky in my head. And um, that's kind of a silly thing to ask. Unless it does happen, then that's really big news, especially if it's that Superman ice cream from Perry's. But anyway, I can't hear of any of you laughing. You're probably not laughing. Uh, so anyway, but that's a, an instance of... A theophany, another one. And we also see one in Joshua chapter 5 when the commander of the Lord, we're not going to go to that passage, but 
Joshua met that commander of the Lord right before their first battle after crossing the Jordan to go into Israel. Their first battle, remember, was Jericho. And he met the servant or the commander of the Lord, which again is another theophany. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.